Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode. I appreciate you always continuing, continuing to listen in. Um, this week, we have a very summery cocktail incredibly easy to make. Uh, I made a strawberry consomme, which is just strawberries that are washed and quartered. Um, and you boil them for about four to five minutes with some water. Um, or simmer them, I shall say, not boil them. And then after that, you add sugar and you basically mix the strawberry water with sugar and let that sit for like a half an hour plus to an hour. And then you strain the strawberry water into a container and then let that chill and discard the other strawberries. Um, basically that is strawberry consomme. It's <laughs> super easy to do. Highly recommend. Um, so I combined an ounce of that with uh, an ounce and a half of Waterloo Gin number nine. Super easy. Um, in these beautiful Corsicle double paned, they're actually wine glasses, but they make perfect glasses for a GNT or other cocktails. So just uh, put a, either a huge chunk of ice in there or probably better yet, um, just fill it with ice. And then, um, Add lemon juice to that, uh, to whatever you're, I mean, I probably about a half an ounce of lemon juice and then top it off with tonic water and fresh thyme. And I put a straw in there. So however you choose, but, uh, it was very summery, very delicious, uh, very strawberry, not very sweet. So it has a little bit of sweetness, but really not too bad, not too much. And then my dear friend, uh, Kim, uh, was a guest today and she's always a bright spot in Orlando and in my life and in her world and has been an incredible supporter of the dinner party project through her role at Cork school over the past many years. So it's been such a blessing to get to know her and all the things that she has kind of accomplished in a relatively short amount of time. So she is someone that uh, showed up on the 40 under 40 this past year and has done pretty incredible things in the community. And she's, um, yeah, incredibly hard worker, working on that life balance. <laughs> Uh, she's really transitioned pretty amazingly in this past, you know, 365 days. And I know almost for a fact that you will enjoy her story. So, uh, cheers. Ciao. Hey, Kim. Hey, Dana. Welcome to the Cocktails and Conversations podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you ever so much for being here. Salud. Salud. We are still... Cheers. Uh, cheers. April 2021 at opposite ends of the table. Here we are. Social distancing. We are later. I know. Um, Have you gotten your Fauci-ouchie yet? 
I have not. <laughs> Fauci, Fauci, that is like the first time I've heard of that. It is hilarious <laughs> and wonderful. I'm, I think it opened up actually today for my age group. So I'm going to try to grab a reservation try to get here. in there. Great. Um, I just hope this thing will obviously be wrapped up in short order. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. definitely ready for um, the next phase of life to return to as normal as it can be. As normal as it can be. I'm so here for this. Well, as we're starting out with a gorgeous cocktail yes. in a gorgeous vessel. Thank you. Thank Salute. you. Salute. Cheers. I wish we could cheers, cheers. actually. But um, mm-hmm. so this is oh. our double walled glass from Corksicle. Uh-huh. We just um, launched our glass collection. So we are primarily known for stainless steel. In fact, our triple insulated stainless from steel. From which company? So Corksicle um, is headquartered right here in Orlando. Um, what I like to say is that we're local but global. So we're now in right. more than 50 countries and 5,000 retail locations across the world. But our corporate headquarters is right in the backyard here in Orlando. That's so crazy. And wonderful. It's been really fun. It's been really fun. We're going to get to so much more of that. First, we're going to start with cocktails. We're having Waterloo Gin number nine, which is one of my favorites. So easy to put in anything. And then I made a strawberry consomme like I was telling you about with some lemon juice and some tonic water. So simple. Four ingredients in these gorgeous glasses with some fresh thyme as a garnish. So tasty. So tasty. And as it is becoming the summer months, the summer is upon us. Oh, it's this it is, is a, one of my mm-hmm. favorite drinks I've ever had. It's really it good. It is very light and easy and all the things, very strawberry. I usually tend toward trend towards things that are, I feel like, on the lighter and fruitier end. Yeah, especially in the spring and summer months. um, It's even more perfect. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We need something light and that is going to, like, in theory, cool us off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something that's quick to whip up if we have guests over. I always like easy is my favorite, especially when it doesn't, you can't tell when you taste it that it was easy to make. Mm-hmm. It tastes very complex and and, and delicious, but um, something that is easy to make is something that I would definitely use and go for go for, for yes. my guests. Tell me, I would love to know what your, like, do you have a go-to drink? Do you have, it could be cocktail, it could be wine, it could be whatever, but like, when Kimberly is going out for a drink, what would what is your go-to drink? So I love um, all alcohol and food, actually. So I have nothing that Fair I enough. avoid. But you're a great guest. <laughs> I, I like to think so. I don't know um, if I'm that great of a guest because I don't know if I'm so great at the cleaning up part after the festivities. Mm. But I try really hard. Fair um, enough. But I love pairing with seafood. I like white wine um, with a nice like steak meal. I prefer red wine specifically. I really love like Napa cabs. I'm huge fan of anything really from Napa, and then. Um, as far as like a cocktail goes, I love all different types of spirits, but I love also supporting like local. So game day vodka is another Orlando company that I like to try to support. But, um, additionally, you know, I would say if I were at a local restaurant, I'd probably order an old fashioned. Mm. It's probably the one that I would Mm -hmm. pick. Okay. That is like kind of like a fail safe option feel safe you like almost every place could make it exactly and it's always just like hits the spot usually it's not the healthiest i'd say of the options but if i'm trying to be really healthy of course i'll go for like a vodka soda but i 
most often like to try something really interesting or unique on the menu. And I'm always open to like anything that's like smoky or that has egg whites in it. I'm very, I'll try anything once. You'll try anything once. That's a great, that's also a great guest. (laughs) I also too love anything that is, has an egg white in it. It's like, it just transforms a drink to me. It's so good. So delicious. So Yeah. I've been really getting into gin drinks Mm -hmm. that have egg whites in them. Well, you are a great host. So if you ever want to try, test one out. I'm happy to be. You know, I will. Testing buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever make cocktails at home? Are you like at all a home bartender? So I'm really um, trying to become one. And like you, I have tried to start um, growing some herbs in the garden. And when I say garden, it's a porch garden, patio, the veranda. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have time actually there, mint and a few others. But um, really, I have to give my uh, boyfriend a shout out because he's the one who's the mixologist master Mm. and enjoys um, trying different things. And he's really, I mean, you name it, you could just pick like any type of spirit and he could just whip up an amazing cocktail or a mocktail. He also is really great at mocktails. Yeah. Well, I I am ready for these when I finally get, when we finally get a date on the calendar. Come on over. Pizza and cocktails. Pizza and cocktails and fire pit. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm so, that's like my love language probably. Okay, I'm ready. And cocktails for sure. So during these times, we're all at varying levels of how we we dine in or dine Mm -hmm. out or places that we go. Um, So currently and or let's say a year ago, Mm -hmm. what would be like two to three spots in Central Florida that you would grab a cocktail that are your like go-to. So I live in Baldwin and it's always very easy for me to walk over to Calibri Sato or Osprey. Okay. Um, So I would frequent those establishments often, especially during the pandemic when they had amazing. So amazing. I'm so fortunate to have that like right Right across the street. So that's been really, um, really dangerous. Exactly. Especially on your wallet. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, and your wardrobe because I've been eating there a lot too. But sure. um, really love supporting local business. Um, I especially love like dining along the establishments on Park Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Hannibal's if I'm going that way. Um, I love Guest House. It's right by our office. There's just so it's many true. fun places in Tori Tori. Mm-hmm. Their eclectic menu is always um, really fun to try. I love Tori Tori. Especially, it's been nice with the amount of outside they have available during this past year. I've been there a couple times and just been able to feel comfortable. And their menu is so wonderful because like you can like order like a tasting menu and just like order a bunch of different things. Yeah, and not commit to anything. And the weather has been so nice too that it's like delightful to sit outside and just enjoy a drink. Their drinks are yeah, their patio is so gorgeous. Everything is so gorgeous. Anyway, obviously we could talk about drinks for all day and all night, Um, but I would love to hear and for you to share just like what life like was for Kimberly growing up in, you know, like we don't really choose, you know, the Mm -hmm. space and the place that we're like put into the universe. You know, we're just kind of, I don't, you know, kind of some people think they have Maybe a, de- a determination of where they land in the planet. I think that we're kind of just placed that we don't have a choice with like our family of origin and the place in the world that we're, you know, plopped down in. And then we have to kind of figure it out like the rest of <laughs> like the rest of the world. And we're all trying to figure it out from here on out. Um, 
But would you just kind of like share with us just like what was like the early kind of years of like your family of origin and like do you have siblings and what was the vibe and the feeling of your family growing up in the first like up maybe 10 years or so? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that you asked that question because I do feel like I hit the lottery when it comes to families. Mm. My parents um, met when they were both IBM sales executives in the 1980s out in California. Very cool. And my mom wanted so badly to be a mom. Like she knew her entire Mm -hmm. life that she wanted to be a mom. Um, She didn't have me until she was 35, but I was her firstborn and um, really fortunate to have, um, I guess, been wanted so badly. So Mm -hmm. by the time I came around, um, she was was ready. She was ready. And yeah. I'm so grateful um, to both my parents. And then their, my dad's job got transferred to Atlanta, where I lived um, from the time that I was one to about five. I don't really remember it much. I know we lived in Horseshoe Bend right outside of Atlanta. And then from there, his job got transferred again to Orlando. And more specifically, they purchased a home in Winter Park where I grew up on Lake Osceola. But unfortunately, my parents um, divorced when I was six years old. Mm. It's pretty young. Uh, Yeah, I was pretty young. Um, At the same time, I really don't have many memories of them together. So I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but I have a lot of pictures. (laughs) But I was really lucky that um, my dad remarried an amazing person, um, an amazing woman named Leslie. And together they have um, two children. And then my sister and I, Ashley... Um, she, she was born in Atlanta. So she's my only like full biological sister, although I consider all of my siblings, my siblings. But then when my mom got remarried to Phil, uh, I was in high school and he had two boys from a previous marriage. So, um, I love Phil and I love my siblings. I, again, I feel like I hit the lottery because I really do have the best family ever. And I, Mm. how fortunate am I to say that I like love my mom, my dad, my stepdad, and my stepmom. Like they're just all incredible, and I'm just really, really fortunate to have the best blended family in the world. Yeah, that is <clears throat> quite quite a lucky position to be in to have to you know like in, in that situation mm-hmm. that it worked out in in a best the best way possible. You right. know, definitely. Well, and no family is perfect. We certainly sure. have our challenges, but yeah, um, everyone just really has like loving hearts and open hearts and Mm. um, to the point where we share holidays now. I mean, it's taken uh, several decades to get to that point. Um, But again, I just, I feel very, very fortunate um, and just really blessed. Mm. That is amazing. So from six till high school, so your, your mom was also probably a single mom. mom. Right. I have a lot of memories of her asking for the single mom discount where we would go different places, whether it was like the mechanic or really she was leveraging her business sales experience back in the IBM days. And she actually was one of the first women to graduate from Harvard Business School. So she's no dummy. She was definitely playing the card. But, you know, to her credit, like she did it all on her own without alimony, um, not to throw my dad under the bus or anything, right. but she really did it on her own. And she went back to work after not working for a while and um, at Rollins College, where she actually ended up retiring uh, as the director of the MBA program at Rollins College. And her, uh, yeah, she's definitely an inspiration. Yes. That's, yes. She's a rock star. <laughs> but she was very adamant about waiting. I mean, she dated different guys and 
you know, she'll probably laugh or maybe be embarrassed for me sharing the story, but I remember answering the phone. And of course we had a house phone and, um, I'll just use the name Joe. Someone would call and say, hi, this is Joe. Is Jennifer home? And I'd say, now, which Joe is it today? Is this the one that was over yesterday or the one that was over last week? And I would kind of just like tease, tease the different guys. I was totally like, I just wanted to get a reaction out of them. <laughs> so my mom See if they could take a joke. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But no, she was very um, intentional about the men that she would date. And she just didn't give her heart out really to anyone until mm. she met my stepdad and they actually met at church which is there so precious go. yeah and his kids went um to park maitland with ashley and i and then i guess one day she was at the front of the congregation at first united methodist and mentioned that she was leading a singles bible study um and i guess at that time he realized that she was in fact single if she was going on stage about telling about this singles bible study that she was leading a part of <laughs> and that's how they connected sing and then and then the at one point single history. no more Right. Right. That's nice. Meet cute in the 90s or 2000s or whatever. So sweet. That's yes. so cute. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it was kind of like a easier transition, kind of like like transitioning from like kind of you you're a single, you know, with mm -hmm. your or your mom was single for quite a while and then transitioning, um, you know, your dad had remarried mm -hmm. and then your mom kind of also remarried and then just being able to navigate that I feel like at such a young age you know is is a, a, a like it, that takes a lot as like a, I feel like in those years to like emotionally know how to like integrate yourself now into like what new families would look like yeah you know absolutely and I think it's been you know such a blessing you know I had so many different houses right because when they got married um in both cases, the the homes that they were living in couldn't accommodate our larger families. So I have had many memories of moving and mm. um, and and also just kind of going back and forth between houses. But instead of um, kind of taking those experiences in, as a negative, I kind of now view it as a positive that, um, you know, nothing in life is forever. And mm -hmm. we have to appreciate um, the homes where we live or the moments that we experience, but also keep an open heart and open mind to what's to come. And so I think um, now as an adult, having lived in different locations and um, different areas of the country, I too can kind of appreciate and share that same lesson that, um, you know, nothing's forever. Yes. But we can appreciate every, every moment, reminder. every step of the journey. Yeah. Nothing is forever. So I'm going to like backtrack just for <laughs> one hot second. Sure. Just do a really quick rabbit trail. But okay. So you mentioned that your parents worked for IBM yeah. in the 80s. And then I just wanted to know if you have ever either heard of or and or watched a show called Hot and Catch Fire. No, I haven't. I have to what? go check it out. Okay. It's Holly Catch Fire. No, Halt. It's Halt. called Halt, Halt and Catch Fire, which Catch is some fire. kind of computer term. Okay. Which I think it means... To I think it means to delete everything in the system or something. I could be wrong. So obviously don't quote me on that. But anyway, there is a show. I think it's on Netflix. It's on something. It was on from like 2014 to 2018. So four seasons. And it's just like one of the best shows that I personally have ever seen. It's incredible. But it's all about the 
one dawn of the personal computer and then the dawn of the internet. And so part of this is like IBM. And so like, that's part of like the story of like in the eighties when they're like selling these products that are just like breaking technology, which is like this ginormous personal computer, right? Or like the internet, no one's ever thought of like, you know, linking, um, you know, wireless thing, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all that to say is like, I just, it was like, that's so funny because that was like the time of your parents. No, I can't wait to watch it. You should. It's so good. I have watched all four. So I watched the the show when it came out. And then in 2020, I watched all four seasons again. Okay. Well, that's that's how you know it was It was a commitment. Yeah, but it was so great. Anyway, that was... I'm excited. Now I've got something to watch tonight, Dana. Huge rabbit trail, (laughs) but we can talk about it because I've gotten so so many friends to watch it because I'm so obsessed with the show and it's just fascinating to me. I can't wait to watch it with my parents and then we can discuss it over pizza at the fire pit. (laughs) They would probably know the real scoop of like like being a salesperson in the 80s for IBM. Literally, that's incredible. So my mom was one of the first female um, sales executives, too, which is especially inspiring. It's definitely a male dominated world and industry. And there's some like badass women in the show. Oh, good. Yes. So you'll you'll see how the arc of their journey and kind of how they because they were like Mm -hmm. in that in that world during that time. And so how they navigated that and like succeeded or failed and all that kind of stuff anyway i digress we um so i would love to know who kim was like in middle school slash going into high school oh my goodness yes well i um didn't have a ton of friends when i was in elementary school i would say that i was um I went to a very small private school. So if you didn't get along with the other 19 girls, perhaps Mm -hmm. that would be challenging. And I would, I think I tried a little too hard probably to Mm. fit in. And that was seen as maybe not something that was, you know, would get you in the popular crowd if you're trying too hard. With Uh, the 19 other girls. Right, exactly. So I really had... Slim pickings. I know. It sounds depressing, but I would eat lunch by myself with the teachers or in the bathroom. Mm. And um, then I was fortunate enough to go to Lake Highland where I made my first best friend. And I slid her a note and I said, will you be my BFF? Is this in middle school? In middle school, seventh grade. Her name is Keisha McCullough. We're still friends to this day. But I literally, literally slid her a note. Said, will you be my BFF? Check yes or no. Great. And I got my first friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody just kind of like... No mystery, like no right. whatever. You just got to be like, direct. You just got to go after it. Gotta go after what you want. Exactly. You wanted a BFF, so you got one. Got one. And then I was really fortunate um, having attended a private school, but really finding a group of friends that are just really down to earth. Um, one of my best guy friends, his name is Chris Harding. And I'll never forget, he came over to my house. This was before we could drive. So I imagine we were in eighth grade probably. And he was sitting next to me on the couch. And do you remember that show MTV Cribs? Sure, yeah. We were watching MTV Cribs together. And um, he points to the screen. He said, oh, there's my house. And I said, no, silly, that's Shaq's house. And he goes, not that house, that house. And he actually lived directly next door to Shaquille O'Neal. But I had never, he was so down to earth. I had never even known that fact until like, quite literally like several years of us being friends before I even found that out. Um, but it, it, I was really fortunate that I just had a really solid group of like 
you know, I could count my friends on one hand, so not right. many friends, but they were really <laughs> rock solid, good friends. And I'm still friends with them to this day. Yeah. So, so do you feel like you were like more reserved or more outgoing I or? Was, I would say definitely I was extra. And I think that extra. I was, now the kids call it extra. I was just so over the top extroverted that um, again, I think it probably pushed some people away, but it also, and some, the teachers, especially they were either like, this is my person or this girl is driving me crazy. Like it was one sure. or the other. Like I didn't really have a lot of lukewarm fans. Like it was right. either polarizing, or very polarizing, but I was really fortunate to have a really great, um, academic community. I really threw myself into my studies and I think that gave me like a sense of purpose and, mm. um, something I could really like do well. So mm. that was always my focus. How was high school for you? Like, who were you becoming, like, in high school? Like, what were your, the directions or the passions, the personalities, like? Yeah, I would say that because I was trying so hard to fit in, I was really lucky that I um, got immersed into our youth group at my church at a young age because I kind of got swept into that current. And I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people that would lead me towards God. And um, thankfully, because I think my personality type would have been such a people pleaser that I probably could have easily been swept into mm. a different current. And my direction probably may have changed or at least taken some severe swerves. <laughs> but I'm really lucky. Um, so that was kind of my rock, like through middle school and high school as my church youth group. And then I went to Winter Park High School for ninth and 10th grade. And I did the okay. IB program. The what? The IB is International Baccalaureate program. Okay. Um, and do tell. Yes, it was very challenging academically, but I'd say everyone's says, Oh, you dropped out of the IB program after 10th grade. Was it like too hard? And I would say, yes, but it wasn't the academics actually, it was just kind of finding a group of friends because the IB program is just completely ostracized from the rest of the campus. Mm. And, um, that was difficult because I didn't have the opportunity to really acclimate with the other students at the school outside of just lacrosse practice. And, um, for that reason, I ended up begging, begging my parents to let me go back to Lake Highland to graduate. And, my mom said, well, you're just at the ninth grade center. Give it one more year. Give it one more year. It'll be better when you're at the main campus because Winter Park is. Yes. Ninth grade. Um, ninth grade has its own campus. <laughs> and so I did it. I gave it one more year and still, again, just ate lunch by myself and bat in the bathroom. And I just would come home crying and, um, and so couldn't kind of find your tribe. Yeah, I just didn't folks. find my tribe. And so yeah. I, I don't say that to make anyone feel bad. Everyone, it was probably just on me. Um, but I was really lucky that my stepdad said, you know, my sons are at private school right now and I want to make sure that it's equal. So I will pay for you to go back to Lake Highland if that's something you want to do. And I said, like, yes, sign me up right now. Because your friends were still, still at Lake Highland. From Lake Highland. Yeah. So Keisha and Chris and Sarah, my just core group of friends were there. And um, I was really lucky to finish out my 11th and 12th grade year at Lake Highland. So, were there any so you said the cross which is like the most winter park thing that you probably could say of all time right? probably, probably. Yeah, um so was that kind of like a was there any extracurricular like you had mentioned like journalism did that come mm -hmm. later or like where was like any of your interests like in those high school years? I would say that my passion for journalism certainly came from high school. I would journal a lot. That was a way that I could work through a lot of the emotions I was experiencing. And now, again, as an adult, hindsight's twenty twenty. I know that all of the teenagers were experiencing a lot of emotions, but they were all just so 
you know, everyone kept their feelings so close to the chest. You didn't know that anyone else was going through these mm. crazy hormonal changes and experiences because you were school and high school. It's tough. tough. Super tough. Yeah, tough. exactly. <laughs> and um, so I would journal a lot. And so I had definitely had a passion for writing at a young age. But um, as far as like hobbies and extracurriculars, I really threw myself into every single club, every single activity. I think I've tried every single sport. Um, and not saying I'm good at every sport, but right. I g- gave it a go. Sure. And, um, including the hip hop team at Winter Park High School, just a fun fact. Okay. Um, there's a yearbook photo that proves it, but, um, yeah, lacrosse became kind of my thing and it does sound very Winter Park High School to say that, but at the time I was actually the first, Lake Highland, my junior year was the first year that they ever had a varsity lacrosse team and okay. kind of built that from the ground up. And I was the only one who had the good fortune of playing on the varsity lacrosse team at Winter Park the year before. So mm. it became my mission to be, beat Winter Park. And so we were actually doing practice twice a day where we would go before school and practice ah. as well as after school to kind of like train because again, we're the first year with this team. So no one can even catch the ball, let alone like ah, this it. like dream of beating Winter Park. But we, I mean, not not joking around, Coach Demers, my friend Sarah's mom, like she kind of led the charge and met with us at 5.30 in the morning for practice before school and met with us afterwards. And Remember when I said I'm not a morning I know, person? I you would not be able to function at 5.30 We would rotate bringing Einstein's bagels. So that was like really helpful. To Can get. you even feed kids coffee? I mean, I high school, is that legal? We didn't have coffee, but we just, I don't even know. You know how it is. You have so much more energy when you're young. Like now that was sure. really tough. But yeah. But we're also really determined. And so I'm pleased to report that we did beat Winter Park High School and we won our district championship our first year wow. with the varsity team. And, and people say, what's your like greatest accomplishment? I always revert back to that. Like in my life, like that was really, it was a really big deal. We put we put our mind and heart to something and we mm. wrote, wrote down our goals. Mm-hmm. We would watch hours of tapes and we put in the time and the hard work to get there. And, and we did it. We won districts and no one, I think because no one was expecting us to win, wow. like it was even more exciting. <laughs> So did you do that year the first year, the junior year? Yes. Yeah, our junior year. It was a huge deal. So you went from like zero to 60 in like a few months. months. That's bonkers. Well, I would recruit talented um, athletes from other teams and say, you're athletic. Here's lacrosse stick. Join our Ah, team. So that was within like, like, yes, ah, that's part of our secret sauce was at it recruiting from other teams within Lake Highland to help Got it. say, hey, that's a fall sport. Lacrosse is spring sport. You want to play lacrosse? Right. You're not doing anything exactly. during this off season. So. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah, that's how we did it. That's amazing. And I went on to play in college as well, but on the, only on the club team. I wasn't very good. Okay. So. Well, fun. you're good enough to win districts. Well, I'm just good at assembling a team, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun. So for college, mm-hmm. you stayed local. I did. Well, I went to UF, which I guess is considered local. It's two hours ish. away. Yeah. It's local-ish. Mm-hmm. So Gainesville, um, definitely. Go Gators. Yeah, go Gators. Yeah. I definitely didn't. I saw myself going to college at Charleston, which is in Charleston. It's um, a smaller school. Uh-huh. And I took a tour of their campus, and they said that's where the notebook was filmed. And so naturally, I was like, <laughs> sold. Here's my housing deposit, which is like, hello, they're taking these high school girls on tours right when this is like the biggest movie and like romantic 
Like, I know, which is a great selling point, but probably not the best reason that you should select a college or university. But I almost yeah. went there. I put my housing deposit in. I mean, if right. technically Ryan Gosling was there, that would be like it's more of a selling point. No question. No question. But if yeah. you're not really actually going to be able to deliver on that point, then that's nice. But exactly. Okay. It was a beautiful campus. And I think I would have enjoyed my time there. But I really am so grateful that I decided to to choose UF, which is very different. It's very mm-hmm. big. You get lost um, in the campus. It's huge. And it's huge. So yeah. I was really fortunate again that I just kind of found a few like extracurriculars. I threw myself into a Christian sorority, Sigma Phi Lambda. And okay. it's non-panelenic. So it's that is their, outside of my realm yeah, of anything. It's basically a club. We okay. just called ourselves a sorority because um, on campus it was considered a club. In fact, like the motto was you choose us, we don't choose you. So anyone uh, could join it. Anyone could join it. But that's it, was, great. it was a great that's place nice. of community and meeting like like minded women and who um, just just have some friends, you know. So it was really I'm sure great. being on like that mammoth coming obviously from Wyndham Park, which is right that area different. is pretty like insular and pretty right. small, and it is Wyndham Park. But then transitioning to like a like a Gainesville, which is just probably so insanely overwhelming, right? And then just being able to have like any kind of like community that you would be able to feel tethered to and tethered down in that like massive sea of people would feel a really grounding place and probably very helpful for a successful academic career. Oh, yes. I definitely, I joke all the time. I didn't drink until I was 21 and that's, that's very true. And I think it was, I credit, um, Phylam for short, because I just met these, this group of people who really, we just kept focused and we didn't kind of lose ourselves to the distractions that I think a lot of new, Mm. like freshmen kind of face when they go off to college. And, um, we held each other accountable. We had accountability groups on a weekly basis and it was a really great group of people. I still stay in touch with to this day. And then I also was on the club lacrosse team and then I joined Young Life as well um, as a student leader for Mm. Gainesville High School, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. It was great. So did you enjoy your time there and then your your passion was... My studies, really, at the time, but journalism, yes. Yeah. So I I pursued, um, changed my major several times, which I think is pretty common, but I think I started off in psychology and then eventually switched over to the College of Journalism, and I chose the path of public relations, Mm -hmm. and um, it's... Yeah, and here we are, (laughs) Um, but I, at the time, I had no idea what that path would look like or how I would pursue it but I knew that I loved writing and I loved people and so if there was a way to combine the two into a career path Mm -hmm. I knew it was at least something that I should explore yeah so it was Weimar um college journalism I really really had a great great experience there although reporting class was most challenging class I took in college but reporting reporting so the first day they said look to your left and look to your right one of those people won't be here by the end of the semester and uh, I guess it's because it's the second most dropped class after financial accounting at the University of Florida. Oh, shoot. And so it's supposed to be really difficult because if you make one fact error, even one typo in a proper noun, um, you uh, you fail the assignment. So my secret to succeeding in that class was not through my lab instructor who was grading my papers because I think she hate like I actually know she hated me. Um, cool. And so that was tough. But my secret sauce to success was getting published. If you got published, you got extra credit. And so I would just make it a mission every week to get published in a newspaper so that I would get extra credit to make up for the fact that 
she hated me. Was trying to fail me, but she couldn't fail me. She couldn't fail you because I got enough extra credit. Because you can't argue getting published. Like here you go, can't, get published. Can't hold Kim down, Kimberly down. She will I find hope, a way. I hope she's out there. I hope she's listening and that she inspired <laughs> me <laughs> to the success that yeah, you have just achieved today. You know what? Just persevering through obstacles. Yes, that's, that's what life is all about. I was still here, so thank you. I yeah, you have succeeded. The left or the right challenge. Now you you went to yeah. you grew up around here too, right? So I have lived here for twenty years. Yeah, I feel yeah, like that's a long time. Long time. Yeah, definitely a long time. I did one ish year in LA in two thousand and five. I lived in, in mm-hmm. LA and I just short short lived and I hated it, so I returned to Orlando. But. Yeah, well, I hope so, people are listening because yeah. I'm I'm on a mission now to interview you and put my journalism school skills to the test. the test here. And so we'll stay see. tuned. We'll Enough see. Of the script. So after Gainesville, <laughs> you did return to Central Florida. I did. I call it the boomerang. People leave, but they always come back. Uh huh. It's true. It's true. And then you landed into this company that shared a space with a space that... So when Dinner Party started, mm-hmm. 2014, started in my home. And then it was kind of this like every other... Initially, very at the, literally in the very beginning, it was like a supper club on Sunday nights. I was going to do it twice a month in my house. I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to come. I was like, I have this idea. Eight strangers around a dinner table... I don't know if anybody's going to come, but I'm going to put it out there. So I put it out there, started on Instagram. And then the craziest thing was that people started showing up that I didn't know. So initially it was just like people that I knew or like mm-hmm. friends of friends of friends, you know, like at one degree of separation. And then people started showing up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like insane. And so it was starting to grow even in 2014. And so we had this space on Brookhaven Mm -hmm. that was 1400 Brookhaven. And it was so wonderful. And it was this like event space. And then we had dinner parties. We could have dinner parties there. And then the back half of it was Corsicle. We were all like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then all I knew of Corsicle was this wine stick. That people, and I don't, obviously everyone knows I don't really drink wine. It's not something that intrigues me or like I just don't have any interest in that. And so that had nothing really to do with my world or what I was like, okay, that's nice. They have whatever this wine thing that you freeze and then you put in your wine glass. But I didn't know, literally we shared a wall with this other company that had just like Corksco or whatever. And then we moved out because we needed a, like a larger space. And then Corkskull took over. Um, and from there, I like definitely kind of knew more about it. And, and then Lauren worked there. And yeah. that's how initially that we connected. We connected, yeah. Um, awesome. But then it was like, I was like, oh, wow, this is not just this like one product. But how did you land in this thing that has originated Orlando? Yeah. And now you say it is a global company. I know. And here we are in 2021. And like from 2000, I mean, not even like six and a half years. Yeah, I feel so fortunate um, to answer your question. It's a lot of it is God and, and good luck. Um, but I, you know, did move back to Orlando. I worked for a website software company here in town for about a year, but I just um, remember looking out the window and just kind of like dreaming about 
being away from like a traditional desk or a traditional environment. Mm. And I had a yearning to to travel. And so I decided to quit my job, travel um, in my Subaru across the country and picking, I was picking up just um, freelancing gigs and they kind of just started to snowball. I was really lucky. I was helping um, clients with their digital marketing, social media, website needs. Again, really, really niche. Um, these are clients or customers that wouldn't be able to afford like a full-time ad agency mm. or even an in-house person. So um, I was kind of accommodating their like need for just an hourly person really. And then I had a couple of clients that were on retainer, but Again, I was just really lucky to grow that business primarily through word of mouth, mm-hmm. kind of like you, like all of a sudden people just started showing up, <laughs> people just started calling me and I'm like, I have no clue who you are, but they, you know, reference a friend of a friend and inquiring about my, what my rates would be like to help with certain projects. And, um, you're like just, putting gas yeah, in your car. Exactly. Still, it's going. exactly it. Yeah. And so it became apparent that the majority of my clients were in the central Florida area. So it was also at that time I, after traveling, I mm. kind of only saw myself planting in Orlando. I think one of the, my original goals was to discover if there was another place that I could see myself planting, but I really couldn't find it. I mean, there's mm. beautiful places I would love to go visit again, but um, I, I kind of knew that central Florida would become my home. Mm-hmm. So I moved back and it was at that time that um, Quirks the Coal, Stephen Bruner, actually, um, I connected with Stephen. We went out to coffee at Easton Market and he mentioned a need to grow the business. And I had. So what year is this? So this was 2016. So they were already okay. in business for five years at this point. Yeah. And they had just launched their first hydration comp- uh, hydration product, which was the Vinnebago 25 ounce canteen that could go where glass can't go. So it was a natural transition. So it was just our 25 ounce canteen. But before we called it the 25 ounce canteen, it was called the Vinnebago. I know. It's terrible yeah. name. Well, we had all clever names. So every can I single- say that on Sure. Air? Of course. You'd see our, okay. your opinion. You're like, you say whatever you want. <laughs> but the, the reality was we had these like really quirky and clever names. So they were started as a barber product. You mentioned the corksicle. So it was yeah. a cork and an icicle. That's how we got the right. corksicle name. And then we had the whiskey wedge for whiskey, um, mm-hmm. also known as the tequila triangle at the time. We were flirting with that idea. Ah, um, I and like then- the whiskey wedge. I like it too. That's what yeah, I use right? it for. Yeah. And then yeah. the Chilsner, we had the Chilsner for beer and we had all sorts of clever, unique names for our barber products. And then this was the first hydration product. So it too had a clever name. And so we kind of were forced to reconcile um, how people would know that it's Corksicle being the centralized company. And we flirted with the idea of rebranding to something that would be easier to remember um, that would kind of encompass all of our product right. um, portfolio. But we ultimately decided that Corksicle, we were going to stick with Corksicle and we repackaged um, all of our items so that Corksicle would be like larger in mm-hmm. font and in presence and that the unique names would be kind of like smaller underneath. And then finally, we eventually just moved into like different sizes. Um, and that was kind of how that ball got rolling. But at the time they were looking for a full-time person and I was not that person. So I kind of, I hate to say it, like blew them off. Like I didn't write a thank you note. I didn't really... I mean, I think I sent a text like it was great meeting you, but I wasn't really like I was actively they were pursuing looking for a, a full time full time marketing role. Right. Okay. And I had eleven clients, and I was in grad school, and I just didn't. <laughs> I'm in grad school. <laughs> I'm in grad school. I have eleven clients. Yeah. Like I don't really have time for a full time job right now. Right. So um, he ended up coming back, and fortunately, extending a, a part time position for me. And it, mm. I soon learned that I wasn't able to manage their account in the way that I could manage the other accounts because they were growing just way too quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
I decided to take a leap of faith. I was turning 26. It was no longer going to be my parents' health insurance. And I decided to take a leap of faith, take the full-time offer. And I was the second employee. Yes. That's insane. That's insane. The second employee of course school. Dylan was the first and he's still there too. Dylan was the first. Dylan was the first. Well, technically I was freelancing before him if we want to get technical. Okay. But he did sign on the dotted line for the full-time offer before I did. So okay. We were, he was kind of focusing more on the photography and, and, and visual branding. Sure. And then I was, my focus was more like the journalistic like side of yeah. communication and um, messaging. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. So technically we're going to spend about 10 seconds. I've met, I knew I've known Dylan yeah. since 1999. I love that. Yeah. So now it's, Oh my is, gosh. What, that's a full years. circle moment. Yeah. yeah. Probably more than half of his life. Anyway, this, that's neither here nor there. He's got a fun so, story too. He, he was, does. He's in a band. I should have him on. Oh, I know. Not oh, yet. I know. The Lakeland band scene. Hello. Yeah. You're right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I lived in Lakeland for one year before oh moving goodness. to Orlando. Anyway, that's I love neither it. here nor here nor there. But and yeah, and then I met Ruthie separately, and then anyway, blah, before blah, blah. they were, you knew her separately before they were married. I think so. That's amazing. I know. I know. It's crazy. Anyway, that's a whole separate it. story. Now they have four kids. Now they have four kids. Life is bonkers. Life is crazy. It is. Life is crazy. And so you have been with them since 2016? Yes. Okay. So now five years? Just celebrated officially my five-year anniversary. Right. So it's been a really fun journey. My role has changed several times. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, as we continue to grow, we brought in the reins. So we were building our in-house marketing team from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Um, So originally I was kind of liaising with our external agencies or uh, we had a PR agency and ad agency. Mm. And then I was served as kind of like the communication liaison and then also helping to lead and guide like the strategy behind our communication um, projects. But um, eventually we slowly built our in-house teams. And um, then I was kind of tasked with just um, the external messaging and marketing. So that was charitable donations, influencer relations, media relations, really all things PR. Um, basically if it wasn't sales or customer service related, it fell under my umbrella and right. it touched anywhere outside of the universe internally and, um, managed that effort for a while. In fact, the largest project I was working on at the time, um, was the Olympics are, uh, we have a li- licensing partnership with the Olympics yeah, and we were kind of, of strategizing how we were going to get the product into the right hands of the Olympic athletes. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and that project was paused. Of course, everything was paused at that sure. time. And unfortunately my position was eliminated. Um, however, I was really, really, really fortunate to retain employment now on the sales side of the business mm. as a key account manager. And mm-hmm. I have some really fun accounts and it's been really great to have a lot of accounts yeah i have over 400 they range in size from like good crowd shout out to good crowd on park avenue primrose our fun little gift shops and then um do you know how many times people like mention good crowd oh i love and have have purchased things from there like i mean like course schools are like oh like i picked up this whatever yeah people like love that shop which i love that people have loyalty to local yeah it's so important. so important. So important. So important. 
We have and, a number of great retailers locally. And the other day I was like in Whole Foods and there's like a whole Yeah, Whole Foods. Cor- that's another one like display. Yeah. And which I always think of you guys mm-hmm. when I see. Makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Miscellaneous Market, Chloe Lane, uh, Pistol Home and Garden. I mean, there's so many that I could probably be missing, but locally that are just really amazing small businesses. And I, I like you, I love supporting local, mm-hmm. um, but we're also in the big box stores and I have the opportunity to manage accounts such as like Total Wine, mm-hmm. um, Cooper's Hawk that have multiple locations across the country. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of fun to have a little bit of everything in my account sure. portfolio. So they all have different needs and um, it's just been really, it's fun now, now helping them tell their stories through our products gets me really excited. Mm. The storytelling is just a different way of storytelling. Yeah. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties. So if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area and haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. Thank you so much for being always like a huge supporter of Dinner Party Project. Oh my gosh, and, like, I'm a super fan. Being behind us for so many years and just helping us to be able to accomplish the things that we want to. And um, I mean, obviously all your products align with what we do. Cocktails and, and conversations. Cocktails and conversations, storytelling, right? Like these are things that like actually make... I mean, even with dinner parties, mm-hmm. it's like you set the table and sometimes we've been able to incorporate critical things into that and it, it helps so to fun. like set an extra beautiful table and tell stories and connect people in real ways versus like you do have a big mm-hmm. box store, right? Where people will like take sure. something off of. But when we did that mm-hmm. whiskey dinner, right? That and so That you um, yes. and your man got to come to and like how fun it is to see those products being used like in real time and like having people like enjoy them and to be able to tell stories around, you know, we did that. We did the um, Woodford reserve dinner. It was just so much fun and so memorable, you know, and people being able to like take those things home and then incorporate into their, you know, actual real lives. It's yeah. Like it's like on the ground. It's like doing things, you know. We like to say we so, like to elevate the everyday. Ele- elevate the everyday. That's yes. It. We love elevating for sure. Um so 5 years at Cork School, that's like a pretty like huge blessing. Definitely. And Definitely. I, the experiences that I've had the opportunity to take part in and the events that I've had mm. the privilege of helping to host. We did this amazing activation Rosé Day, where we dropped a million rose petals from a helicopter to meeting Adriana Lima at our Sword and Sound event that was with an Olympic fencer in New York. Mm-hmm. And just, I look back and I'm like, wow, I've done some really cool things thanks to this um, company that has been able to help me grow my professional career. Yeah. Really, really lucky. And so, like you said, even five years ago, so they've mm-hmm. grown from Cork School to being in, you said, like 
50 or 50 countries. Yes. So we have international reach now and one of my best friends. Are you, some of your accounts international? Bermuda. I have Bermuda accounts, um, but we have an international director of marketing and sales. Her name is Liz and she actually lives in my building. She and her husband just moved oh. um, to Miami, but she's still with us. But she's one of my best friends in the world. And I got to be at her wedding and she manages all of our international business. So it was fitting that she got married in Jamaica because there you go. she's definitely um, our international rock star that's helped us grow the business in different ways across that's the amazing. world. That's amazing. So as we grow into adults and we are able to kind of like shape like where we want to go and like who we are as humans and like what we want to become, um, life also continues to happen for good or for bad. Um, But has there there ever been a time in your life that was um, maybe like a challenging or really low or kind of like a hard season of life that you kind of saw what it was and then kind of moved into that and then moved out and through that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, life is full of adversity and challenges and how we approach those challenges and ultimately overcome those hardships really kind of define us and, um, hopefully our legacy that we can leave on the planet. And, um, certainly have had, gosh, so many, (laughs) so many hiccups and bumps in the road along the way. But again, just so grateful to an amazing support system and community that have helped me kind of, to your point, get through them. And I'd say the first one that was really, gosh, that shook me to my core was I had my sights set on a Disney internship and I just knew I was going to get it right. Like in my mind, I'm like, I've got this in the bag, maybe a little too, a little too cocky. Um, but I, you know, had achieved straight A's. I had done all the right things. I got the right rec letters. And this is from UF. UF. Okay. And it was a professional internship. So it was part of their like Disney's professional internship program. And I didn't even advance past the first round of anything. Like I didn't even get to interviews. It was just the online portion where you have to answer a questionnaire. And, um, gosh, I just felt like a failure. Like, to- mm-hmm. and I was like, if I can't even get this internship, like how am I supposed to get a job a job or anything in life, right? Sure. Um, and I just remember just bawling my eyes out. I mean, to the point where I was really um, having an existential crisis. Like, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Whoa. And um, I guess there's a couple morals of that story. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So, um, of course, kind of you have to float your resume into, and don't get you know, so caught up in just one opportunity. But additionally, like I use that to help further drive my, like, I guess my, my passion and also my perseverance into whatever it was that I was going to achieve next. And ultimately, like I had to apply for a lot of jobs (laughs) before I got one. I didn't Mm -hmm. have a job lined up at graduation. Like a lot of my friends did. Um, but I think that that really helped, um, to remind me that, you know, life is tough and there's not, you, nothing is given to you. I mean, I was again, very fortunate to have a lot given to me, um, over the years, but really when you're, you know, my therapist who I love, by the way, her name's Maureen, Maureen has all these nuggets of wisdom, but we all come into this world alone and we all leave this world alone. Right. Mm -hmm. And community is so important along the way, but ultimately how we can navigate those challenges as individuals is really going to help continue to guide our journey Mm -hmm. forward in the right direction. So, That was definitely the first um, 
earth moving experience, which in hindsight, of course, you look back, you're like, that's, that's the greatest challenge. You didn't get your internship, but the time it was, and I always say your biggest problem is still your biggest problem. And I will tell you what, at that time, that was my biggest problem. Sure. And then, you know, even more recently having my job eliminated at work yeah. a whole year ago, a lot of the same emotions came back. Mm. Um, again, the feeling of failure, the feeling of that, no matter your hard work and your good, your efforts and all the you know, amazing things you could say that you've done, they don't really matter anymore at that time because it's all kind of gone in, in an yeah. instant. And um, your identity is yeah. not necessarily tied to the title. And that is such an important reality, which sure. we can say all day long, right? Like it's so easy to say, I don't really believe in titles and I really don't. Believe. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, sure. if, especially if you are a career oriented person, mm-hmm. and I know you are too, it's, it is very challenging. And I do feel like I helped you know, the ba- the child was already a toddler when I inherited the Corksicle baby, but I do call it my baby. Like Corksicle has mm. been my baby for a really long time. And then to have that kind of like disruptive experience um, was really transformative in my own um, professional and per- personal um, development. And again, I just feel very grateful Yeah, um, to have had that experience. I-, I didn't know that I needed that experience and God knew, mm. God, God knew what he was doing for right. sure. Has there ever been an experience or a time in your kind of adult world where you looked back at something and you thought like, I'm really proud of that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really proud of like what I've sewn into this or something that I've worked really hard for, you know, and you can look back and say like, I did that. I pulled it off. I'm so proud of this moment. Yeah. There are like a couple different things. Um, I guess most recently I worked hard to achieve my accreditation in public relations and I had people say, well, you're not even in PR anymore. And, but it was something that I had kind of set my mind to before my job was eliminated and to close the loop and actually mm-hmm. finish sitting through this four hour examination and studying for it. That was kind of just like just a personal sense of accomplishment. But I'd say outside of that and even beyond that in a more meaningful way, um, we did all these amazing events at Cork School and I am forever so grateful to have had the opportunity to be part of it. But the the best program and the best initiative in my mind that was the most meaningful to me was building our charitable program from the ground up and um, helping lead like the partnership initiative with Charity Water and mm. identifying them as our flagship beneficiary for mm. our um, charitable charitable program where we now get 5% of everything purchased on our website, corkschool.com to Charity Water to ah. fund. Yeah, so they're an so amazing So it's not just Charity Water products. Right. It's not just, well, those on on World Water Day, March 22nd, we do usually have like a a product that 100% goes to them. But every single day, a lot of people don't know that we we donate a portion of our um, profit and proceeds. And and it's upwards of over 100 grand that we've donated in the short amount of time that we've been partners with Charity Water. And um, really, ultimately, they're an organization's nonprofit that they build clean drinking um, water wells in underprivileged nations and to provide drinking water to those in need. And mm-hmm. it's been something that's been really meaningful um, to just see to see that in action and to mm-hmm. attend. They do like a charity water conference where they share the different types of projects they've been working on and updates from the field. And you get to meet with the people that are like really leading the charge and and those nations. And that to me, like if I look back and say like, if anything, that was my greatest accomplishment or something I could be part of at Corksicle. I love that. I love that. Charity water is incredibly dear to my heart. I knew 
excuse me, I've known them since very early. A friend of mine was their fourth employee. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Wait, did I meet her? Did she come down? Am I making this up? Didn't you? No, know? it's Philip was okay. a fourth no, employee. Fourth but um, okay. a girlfriend of mine, um, um, actually I got, I like helped style her for her charity water interview. Okay. Cause okay. she was from, she was working for That's Florida right. hospital. And so she ended up getting the yeah. job at Charity Water, and then another girlfriend got a job at Charity Water. Um, so I've, I have, yeah, I've been in oh contact with them. I ran a half marathon and raised money for them, and just like with Scott and Vic, and like yeah, I don't, yeah okay. I'm not, you I know, know the whole crew. Yeah, I don't know them um, like very personally. Like I've met them or whatever, yeah. but I don't know that. I won't say like I'm like, but I have had a lot of touch touch points mm-hmm. with them and just been able to see the beautiful work that they have done over the years to be able to, I mean, it's just so, I feel insane even mm-hmm. at, in 2021 that people don't have like basic needs, like mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. clean drinking right. water, we take it for granted, and just like the poverty of food. And like we in America have this like gross over uh, abundance, sure. you know what I mean? So it's just so eye opening and like, they are, um, a huge advocate to say like, Hey, this is like the reality of what is like, let's be aware and have our hearts and our minds mm-hmm. open to things like basic drinking water. Yeah. Right. Like there's, um, still such a great need for it. So mm-hmm. how beautiful it is that if companies and businesses can really be championing that and being able to put dollars, you know, behind that and awareness to Absolutely. what they're doing. Yeah. And I think from my perspective, yeah. I did have a very privileged upbringing growing up. I never had to worry about. Girl, you went to Lake Highland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, it's, it, um, it's <clears throat> definitely really important. I think life is all about perspective and um, realizing that, Yes, while our biggest problem is our biggest problem, there are people that have really, I mean, look. Basic. Yes. And we're enjoying these beautiful handcrafted cocktails right now. And there are people that don't even have drinking water. And it's Mm -hmm. definitely eye-opening and um, important to recognize that uh, there's so many good, good, amazing nonprofits in this world. And Mm -hmm. especially now, and I will get off my soapbox here in a second, but there, especially now when so many companies are cutting their funding towards nonprofits because their charitable programs are paused due to the pandemic. This is when those charities need their, the funding the most. most. Yeah. So I definitely encourage anyone to keep their head above. Yeah, absolutely. Keep donating. If you have the means to donate, like doesn't necessarily have to be charity water, but do your research and find an organization that is um, worthwhile doing amazing work in our communities. And if you have the, if you have the means to write a check, like this is the time to do it for Sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I just kind of, I have always admired you in our community and like the things that you have, um, like you said, like that is something on kind of like a global partnership mm-hmm. and a, um, a national partnership and, and also the ways that you have connected with uh, Orlando and the Orlando community and of course the support with for dinner parties, but just even how you've championed, I think obviously the charity aspect of, of being able to um, engage people with, with the product that they need and, and the wisdom of the age of technology and digital social media and just the importance and how much that really like translate into, you know, one, you have the expertise of knowing how that translates into the impact of your brand, but then also being able to say like, we can participate with all these charities for the greater good of helping them and maybe the places that you are. But I think just your spirit and your generous, um, 
Yeah, your generosity is is so felt in Orlando, you know, in this area. So well, I, just I feel that way you. about you. <laughs> you do so much for community, and I sit here just completely in awe of everything that you've done. And um, it's just so I'm so glad that we met and connected. And no, and thanks to Lauren. I just yeah, thanks so much, Lauren. And talk about another generous soul, Lauren Berlin. It's just like more Lauren. Yeah, she is so generous and kind and. I think we just have to keep human. surrounding ourselves with kind people and mm. doing really cool things. And um, I think we can change the world together. That is the name of the game. That's the hope. Definitely. Yeah. So we're going to move into one of my all-time favorite topics, which, of course, we've talked about and mm-hmm. I can talk about at length. But we will touch on it um, tonight. But I would love to talk about the Enneagram, which I know that you love are also Enneagram. very well-versed yes. in. You've said you've taken it twice and... Um, so I thought it was maybe a, a little bit of a flip of what you landed on, but of course, like what you landed on very much makes sense, but you took the test and you would kind of feel like you would land on our most identified, identify with the number two, two. <laughs> yes. yes. I was so, um, I don't want to use, I guess if we're being honest and transparent here, I was definitely yeah. disappointed learning that I was a two, uh-huh. um, because I think that there are qualities of an unhealthy two that I would choose not to possess, but unfortunately do possess. Um, but I think it's really important to, if anyone listening hasn't taken any gram, I know you always encourage it, but if you haven't taken it by now, you need to take it um, because it is really eye-opening mm. and learning how to be the healthiest, mm. right? I mean, version of yourself. Yeah. That's all yeah. we, that's all we're trying to do in life really is be the healthiest version of ourselves. And if so, if there are tools out there to help us, achieve that like mm-hmm. let's give it a go let's try it out yeah so yes to your point I was very reluctant first to even take the test and then secondly I wasn't pleased with my results of the test I retook it and <laughs> I tried to change my answers but I was very much a strong two um wing threes but definitely yes. two and yeah it's the helper the helper the helper the number two is the helper yeah and um tell me more it says that they make great like assistant um, teachers or, um, uh, what was the other one? First, they make great first ladies. Um, they're just always, I wouldn't mind being in the same category as Michelle Obama. Well, she's a rock star, but I think yeah. the idea is that they're not necessarily like leading the charge. Like they're literally mm-hmm. good, a healthy two is a good number two, mm-hmm. right? So they're the ones that are kind of in the background, like usually supporting the person that's doing the cool things. And, um, I'm like, why can't I do that? Why can't I be the president? You know, it's my reaction. But I'm like, okay. You know, on the flip side, the unhealthy side of number twos, they can be very possessive and controlling, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to relationships. And of course, I uh, I didn't like that, but it did resonate with me. And I have to mm-hmm. kind of work on that. Like, I will never forget my friend Lauren Marquez. So she's one of my best friends. I would be like, why aren't you replying with emojis? Like, do you hate me? And it's very very much a lot of the times like you get into your head about um making sure that people feel a certain way about you to the point where you become a pleaser to the point where you're controlling that exactly and maybe a little aggressive yeah and 
And ultimately, I wanted to be but nice, kind of passive aggressive, right? And yeah. and wanting to control the narrative of how mm. um, we are perceived in the world, and and caring almost too much. And what's that quote? That's like another person's opinion of me is none of my business. For twos, that's very, very, very difficult. Sure. <laughs> because they want to be liked, and they want to be the people pleaser, and they want to be the helper that can be there solve and everyone's everyone's solve, problems. solve everyone's problems. But we can also become very codependent and. Mm. Um, that's something that we all have to, number twos have to work on. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm really glad that I took the Enneagram and yeah, just learning to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I've had friends that recommended books. I just love reading them. I love learning more about it. And um, I've now, I, dare I say, I've come to embrace it. So <gasps> I'm working on it, but I've definitely learned that there is a healthy balance of a healthy balance a healthy version and an right. unhealthy exactly and blind spots which we all have in that in our own narratives how would you say the enneagram has maybe helped you in a professional setting sure i would say that i sometimes become a little bit too accommodating perhaps to different people and wanting to make sure that not only members of the leadership team but even my own colleagues um like me or feel again all these memories from childhood Mm. I want I don't want to be the one sitting by myself in the bathroom and and so I'll sometimes bend over backwards um to accommodate different needs of the team and I struggle with articulating my own needs and so therefore I end up like drowning and then Mm. it actually ends up hurting the team Mm -hmm. because here I am like in the weeds and nobody knows that I'm in the weeds when I'm sure there's other people that would help and you know, so that's one thing I've had to recognize is like learning to um, not have to do it all by myself. And I think that is a control thing, right? We, I want to just do it all on my own. And if I can strangle it, if I can do it, we're going to do it. And yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so learning to kind of like trust other people to, to accomplish their jobs. And, and mm. professionally, that's been something I continue to work on mm-hmm. for sure. So sometimes I have a tendency to like sugarcoat things. Everything's great. My sister says that I'm the queen of like fake book. She calls it fake book. That it's like you just put this like best foot forward on social media and I am absolutely guilty of it. Like Mm. she's right. She's right. And I need to be better about um, transparency. Yeah. Living my authentic life and be my authentic self. So. How do you see that three? Do you think, I feel like that that threeness like. Definitely is overlap. Right. It comes through with, with the. Everything is pulled together. Totally. That, Look. Especially as a firstborn, like I feel like I was always just trying to make sure that everything was okay and everything is good and not mm. ever having to like, I didn't want my siblings to ever worry about different things. So I would take kind of take on that. And so I think there's a lot of like overlap probably between being a firstborn and a number three and someone who's like very academically oriented because that's where you find like your purpose and then professionally the same thing and kind of like giving up that control a lot Mm. of it's control yeah and it's tough to make that recognition (laughs) to recognize that and and to realize um that it's okay to not have everything together all the time Mm -hmm. yeah that's a hard place to to land Right is like as sometimes as a woman and like mm-hmm. in our in our jobs and and the places that we feel like we want to end up and that we want to pro- project mm-hmm. ourselves is is kind of having it all together or being able to um, accomplish the things that we have set out or put upon us to accomplish and then um, you know finding our humanity mm-hmm. along the way and and knowing that we are 
one person and that reality, you know, like we can either give our heart and soul like to our job, you know, like I have read this, I read this somewhere. I can't remember where I read it, but I read somewhere that was like, you know, like you can something about like, you can love your job, but your job is not going to love you back. Mm, yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that, like the, the beauty of like working hard and that, that is such a beauty right. and that's, that's something to give to whatever mission that we want to accomplish, but it's not everything. Wow. That's powerful. Right. And yeah. so then that is, um, the, the boundaries, you know, with twos, sometimes mm-hmm. that this like is drawing those boundaries and knowing where they are. And then, like you said, is it is definitely wanting to, we, we should and want to do a good job at what we do. And then we also need to stand up for ourselves as a human and say, well, I want to do a good job too, but also like I'm, I'm able to do X amount and I'm sorry, but I can't do 10 times this amount because that's not realistic, but right. Giving the, the reality <laughs> to, and communicating that to other people to say, and, and if I can't please yeah. you and that's okay too. And that's so hard. It's tough. This is a tough one. It's going to be very tough for me. I don't know if I'll mm. ever be, I'll ever perfect that, but mm. I think it's so important to recognize that there's room for improvement and growth in that area of my life. And I'm really, I'm, I struggle with boundaries. That's very true. Mm. It's very, um, something that's difficult for twos, I think in general, sure. but kind of like realize. So my self identity is not just solely mm. in accomplishing what other people have asked me to accomplish. And that's. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's for powerful. Twos, it's like, oh, well, how will people like you? They like you because you're human and you're Kimberly right. or you're, you know, like mm-hmm. it is, it is, you know, our own, I think, humanness before our job mm-hmm. um, requirements or like, yeah, we're, we're, we're wanting to absolutely do a good job and to deliver and to deliver something that's realistic. And so right. then that, cause I was kind of thinking lately, I was like, somehow I was thinking of like, <clears throat> I really thankfully like rarely ever get sick. And I'm almost just like, I just hardly ever. It's probably cause you take, care, you take care of yourself. Yeah. But I was thinking, and I'm like the, the times that like, sometimes I really get sick is when I am overstressed mm. and overworked. And so with dinner party, we do three pretty big events a year. And usually those are the times that I would get sick is like, I am so stressed or like, I'm so worried about delivering mm-hmm. whatever it is. And so my body is like doing this churning of like constantly and it's so unhealthy. And it's just like, and there should be some nervousness that an event is going to go out well, but it's like with twos and, um, with eights, um, like if I put so much on myself that it's unrealistic, I'm going to burn myself. Absolutely. And so those are the times that I feel like that's when my body gets sick is because my anxiousness and my physical body is going so much that it's like, I can't keep, I can't keep up with this. It's not healthy. And I'm like, that is such a good reminder to myself in this past year. It's like, oh, like I didn't really have any of that. And I lived so wonderfully. Like I was not sick. I didn't get really get sick. And it was just such a good reminder. Not that I won't ever do big events again, but just like how to combat that and to see the reality of like, this is nice. Mm -hmm. I like the place that I'm in. 
I love that. I like who I am when I'm not stressed out. Like it doesn't benefit anybody when I'm not in a healthy place. I always know when I'm stressed out is it's when, and this has happened recently, I'm embarrassed to admit, but when my lo- my closest loved ones will say, gosh, Kimberly, you seem really stressed. And instead of saying, oh gosh, you know what? You're right. I probably should look at that. I'm like, I'm not stressed. I don't know what you're talking about. Whenever I get really defensive about it, that's how I know. It's probably something, something I need to look off. <laughs> so I probably need to look at that if I'm getting defensive about it. But it's so true. And I, I think for number twos, especially one expression that really comes to mind is we have to put our own oxygen mask on first mm-hmm. before we can help other people. And of course that's true for all humans, all of all different Enneagram types, but especially for twos, like if we're not healthy ourselves, like how could we ever be healthy mm-hmm. for another person? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something I'm working on. Has that been something to kind of realize in a relationship? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, especially in my familial relationships, but also like romantically, I just, I'm really lucky that I have a very healthy um, partner. Like his name's David and he's probably the most, I mean, the most amazing man I've ever met in my life, but he's just very mentally strong and spiritually strong, but he, it takes work. Right. And just Mm -hmm. in anything in life, we have to commit to that health. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking just physical health, just mental wellness and spiritual wellness. And Mm -hmm. it's, it is a journey and it does take work, right? If it were easy, then we would all be really healthy, but it's not easy. (laughs) And that's why we all struggle with different things. And, um, I am also fortunate. I have a life coach that I have seen Maureen since I was right out of college. So over, gosh, over a decade, every month, no matter what, I call it my wellness, like my maintenance plan, you know, just like you get a tune up on your car or go get an oil check when your car is totally fine. It just kind of keeps you on that path. Mm-hmm. And so that's been really um, helpful to me as well um, yeah. as I continue to just try to be, like you said, the healthiest version of Kimberly that I could possibly be. Yeah. So in eights in health, they go to two. So as a healthy eight, like twos are so wonderful and they're so needed in the world because they are the ones that are supporting one another and you feel loved and you feel known and you feel like supported and they're twos are literally making the world go round. Well, I do feel like that you have a lot of those qualities. You do so much for so many people and you you're always there for your family when they need you and your friends and um it's just a really beautiful and inspiring thing. I just, I just think the world of you. I'm not just Thank saying you. that. Likewise, we need twos. Absolutely, we need eights. We need eights. Yeah, <laughs> we need the vision, and then we need the people that are going to support exactly people to get to the. Vi- I mean, without twos, the world would fall apart. So, takes all types. Takes all types, which I'm so grateful. And I think that it's yeah, it's just been really powerful to like have the language and the knowledge of like understanding where people are coming from and their motivations and. <clears throat> just like we're wired so we can be wired very very differently and so being able to dig deep into the enneagram has been such a i think huge blessing for me and even with my business like i just wish i knew this stuff you know when i started my business or years ago and and um you know without relationships we don't really have much of anything mm-hmm. and so being able to have like this healthy insight and then to be able to see like okay when i when i am healthy it looks like this. I am like moving towards these places when I am unhealthy, you know, if for me, it's like, I want to be isolated from people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell people how I'm feeling, you know, like all this kind of stuff. Like those things can start to like give you these like little warning signs. Like you said, it's like, okay, now I can like know what they are, know what to look for and then know what to work on so that I can be a better 
version, a more beautiful version of myself, you know. Recognition is so important. And I'm so grateful to Lauren Berlin, actually, who's the one who gave me all the Enneagram books Ah. and said, you need to learn how to embrace this. Because I was like, I hate this. This is the worst news ever. I remember being just so disappointed. And she's like, you got to do the work and embrace it Mm -hmm. because that's going to be what ultimately makes you like a better like you said, a better girlfriend or a better daughter or a better mom if you have kids or better employee, like just a better person. So mm-hmm. I definitely you encourage you to put the work in though. Nothing's going to change without the work. That's yeah. That's it. So. And recognition is definitely half the battle. And now that when you know better, you do better. Mm. So you can't, can't plead ignorance any longer. Right. <laughs> Great. So speaking of putting the work in, um, <clears throat> one thing that, I've had to work on and that I've learned a lot about. And one of my absolute favorite topics is rest. (laughs) So as you roll your eyes, I'm um, I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm just so bad at it. I'm so (laughs) terrible at resting. Mm -hmm. So rest is the ways that we kind of step back from the world and we retreat and restore and we renew and we play and we discover. And it's not, totally in the category of like physical rest, right? There's so many ways, but it's to rest or to Sabbath means to stop. And so for me, learning to stop working for one day or half a day or whatever that means, you, you yeah, anyway, so. I read the book, Sabbath. You did? Yeah, I think you were the one who told me about yes. it. Yes, good. That book. was such a hugely impactful book for me. I bought like five copies and gave them to all my friends. I know, right? <laughs> yes. Same. So what, in what ways do you practice rest or goodness? Well, I would say I am definitely not good at resting. I'd like to be better at it, but I, um, this past Saturday was the first day since before Christmas, actually since November that I didn't have a a single thing scheduled on the calendar. Oh my gosh. And yeah, I told a few friends that and every single one of them like couldn't, like didn't believe it that they were like, no, like you hadn't had a single other day where you didn't have a single thing scheduled on your calendar. I'm like, I mean, truly every single day is booked like solid lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And, um, so this past Saturday, be very proud of me. I had nothing scheduled and I was so tempted, so tempted to fill it in. Like Uh a friend invited me to brunch. I can be so easy to be like, yeah, let's, that's on the calendar now. Let's go to brunch. Right. But it was actually David and my mom who encouraged me to just not commit to anything, not Mm -hmm. open my laptop and just kind of meditate and, Wow. It was um, a really impactful experience. Um, I felt quite lazy, I will say, because I didn't do anything, but I rested. And uh-huh. it was it was something that I'd like to learn uh, how to incorporate in a healthier way going forward because it seems so easy, but I don't even like sleep on airplanes. I don't really, t- I don't take naps. Like I just, I have a lot of trouble resting. Mm. So I need to get better at that. And you, you are... You also don't rest for, I know you are all, you're always on the go, but you are intentional about maintaining health. And I think that's, you know, differentiator is we have to be intentional about it because if we're not fully rested Mm -hmm. and like you said, rejuvenated, how could we be successful in life? Mm -hmm. You're going to be worn out. Yeah. You'll be worn out. You'll be burnt out. You'll be snippy. Like when I get, you know, defensive, it's because I'm exhausted. Of course I'm stressed and I don't want to admit that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important thing. Hmm. So if you had 24 hours anywhere, one day of rest, it could be here. It could be international money's of no issue. If you could just like have one day 
Kimberly, you get to decide. It could be with people. It could be without people. You have total control over a day. What was your ideal dream day of rest look like? I would be on a beach somewhere. Just on in any country, actually, wherever there's a beach. I'm not picky about the beach, but it was okay. funny when you first described it. Like Tahiti popped into my brain. I've never been to Tahiti. I don't even know what Tahiti looks like. I would love to go there. But it popped up in my head when yeah. you were describing it. So okay. maybe Tahiti, but... Um, somewhere that has like the sound of the waves and the ocean mm. and the sand and to just, to just lay something just meditative. Be. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. In the sunshine. In the sunshine and salty air. Earth. Yes. Oh my gosh. Let's go. Yeah. It's good to eat. Would that be your morning till night? Like, would you have anything else in your day or? To, oh, maybe there'd be a massage somewhere in the middle of it. Oh, heck yeah. Yes. Right. Doesn't yes. that feel restful? Yeah. Well, it, Yes. Yes. I feel like massages should be one more incorporated into the work scenario. Totally agree. And then two into just people's somehow like, I mean, I, I can say I have not, I am not, I have, I was on kind of like a regular schedule with massages before March of last mm-hmm. year, but, um, I think there's such a physical component of massage that brings so much health to you, right? It's like releasing so much of that tension in your body and it's like getting it out and getting it dispersed. And, you know, just there's so many, so much emotions that come up Mm. with like having a massage. I feel like it's such a part of like our physical health along with like emotional health and like physical rest and all those types of things. Massages. So my massage is sunny at, um, I always say the name wrong, but I think it's like Emmy, Emmyola massage or whatever. He's out in, um, Maitland, but he's wonderful. Okay. That's good to know. Massages. Yeah. So important. One of the best gifts I ever received was from a friend who knew how busy I was. And instead of giving me a massage gift card, because she even said in the card, she said, I know that if I mm-hmm. if I just gave you a gift card, this you're card, not going to use it. Gonna sit. It's just going to sit. So she actually pretended like we were getting together. And then <gasps> right before, she goes, actually, I need you to drive here because I already booked you a massage. And she knew the time worked because I'd already had. <laughs> you committed to like, it. But it's like one of the most thoughtful gifts than like I've ever seen in my life. incredibly kind. Yeah, very kind. So shout out to Laura Marcus because that was really she sweet. She knew yeah. you. And then we ended up meeting afterwards, but I felt so relaxed and like I had no idea that it was happening. Like it was, comp- she did a great job keeping us surprised and yeah. it was at the salt room, which was amazing. And that probably, you probably felt yeah. so like known and loved. Yeah, totally. I really, it was the, one of the best gifts I've ever received in my entire life. Yeah. Like just so thoughtful. Like you said, I felt loved. It's so sweet. I always, I think that's, I don't, do you have this too, where you feel love and you don't know how to show love for the love? See, that's my problem. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a whole it's a whole thing. I don't want to ever be, my sister calls them one-uppers. I don't ever want to be a one-upper. But I have this desire to, to extend my gratitude to those who have extended love. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes this like... Competition. Yeah. And it's not even meaning to be a competition, but I, I feel almost anxiety about making sure that I thank the people who have done amazing things. And yeah. then I have to just... But you have to sit in sit being just, loved. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That's it. It's tough. It's tough, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Love is so important. For this Where world. would we find you if we were looking on social medias slash things that you do in the world slash I was, you're doing a new role with Cork School, but like, where would you find, where would you find Kimberly? Well, I love events and I love attending events. You mentioned major before, but I think major was responsible for inviting me to this um, grand opening that I attended with David. It was at Hawker's new restaurant in Dr. Phillips. I love attending grand openings. I love attending events and galas and fundraisers. And I love events. Like I do. I really love, I love them. And I love being a part dinner of party them. per se. A dinner party. <laughs> love the, di- oh my gosh, those are, I, 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 well, you already know this, but I'm your super fan. I was one of your first followers, <laughs> one of your first followers in and, 2014. Oh, I don't know. Can I uh, check the analytics? I'm not sure sure when I became a follower, but I know it was very early. Sure. And I kind of like (laughs) stalked it for like a while to see like if this is real, like is this like legit? And I actually, I didn't end up going until you invited me, but it was something that I had been like, the concept of it was so well aligned, like with what something I would be interested in pursuing and learning about other people. I love talking. I think that's why I like events is I like meeting people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but really ultimately, you know, what these last 12 months have taught me is that I don't have to have an event every single day mm. and that I find a lot of my joy mm. comes from just being at home with my dog and my family. And it's, again, it sounds so silly, probably for the majority of the world, that's, that's our everyday life. But for me, that was like a, a foreign concept. And, um, I really just like being at home. Like this is a new, this is a new new development. Sure. So I, that's I've, a good one. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's kind of, again, we talk about balance, but it's about finding that balance mm-hmm. to be an introverted extrovert is what I consider myself. And like, I need, I need to be around people, but I also need space to kind of like think and meditate and grow my thoughts. I think. If you had one last piece of wisdom or like a mantra or an MO, do you have anything that you kind of try to align your life or live your life by with through? And there's so many amazing pieces of advice that people have given me. And I would say one thing that I think can be applied to any situation is this too shall pass. Hmm. And I think that would be so good. Right. Like a lovely reminder that no matter, no matter if it's a good thing, but oftentimes it's a hardship that we ruminate on or think about or overthink but this too shall pass. Mm. And um, kind of, again, it goes back to giving up control and just trusting God and the universe to to kind of align your steps forward. And this too shall pass. Too shall pass. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we didn't pass too much time mm, so before fun. we had this uh, happen. But I'm so glad that you spent some time in these with these beautiful new Corsico glasses, sharing a drink with me. I'm sure that it won't be the last time that we do that. And just thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm just, you do. I'm so grateful to you for hosting this, but also um, for really everything you do in our community. And it's just so inspiring. And I'm um, continually inspired by everything that you've got going on. And you say, hey, Kim, I'm working on this. I'm working on this. And every single thing is like... <laughs> so innovative and so creative and so um, transformative. Like you're really doing amazing things and I just can't wait to continue to be part of it. Thank you. And interview you. Okay. We'll see. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Until next time. Until next time. Ciao, baby.
Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversation? 